What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. What's up, folks? Today, we're joined by Lauren Aquilino, founder and principal consultant at Emmy Collective. Lauren started her career as a campaign manager at Highland, an enterprise content service provider, where she spent five and a half years working her way up to marketing analyst and later team lead of the demand programs. She later took on the role of marketing automation operations manager at GE, where she owned Marketo and set the global marketing automation strategy across other MarTech tools as well. In 2017, Lauren left the in-house world and joined the dark side of agency at Revenue Pulse as a principal consultant. There, she would become a two-times Marketo champion and certified expert, as well as a Salesforce certified admin. After taking a career break as a COVID-era homeschool teacher and wrangler of a fearless toddler and attempting to open a coffee shop in a dilapidated 1840s church, Lauren became a YOLOpreneur. August 1st, 2022, she joined forces with the acclaimed Sydney Mulligan to launch Emmy Collective. Emmy is a for-hire network of marketing ops and sales ops freelancers with big tech energy. She's also the co-host of Pretty Funny Business, Lauren's nonsensical playground brand for the hell of it, a hilarious new podcast with the top marketing and mops pros. Lauren, pleasure to have you on. Thanks so much for your time. That's impressive. Truly impressive. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Definitely. Does that like scare people after you, you know, everyone's like, whoa. It's funny. A lot that. of people say like, you know what? I'm going to record that sound bit and send it to my mom because she'll be impressed oh! with that. <laughs> my mom would be like, good job. Um, can you help me fix my computer? It's been making a weird sound. <laughs> We're all <laughs> in IT. support. <laughs> For sure. Thanks for having me. I could not be more pleased to be here with you both. Yeah, thanks, Lauren, so much for joining us. Um, You know, I've known you for quite some time, but like one of the cool things that I think the last year or so that you've been working on is the ME Collective, which you launched in August of 2022. It's a obviously a network of MarTech freelancers. You've got more than 20 consultants on your roster today. But I feel like there's a mission that we should talk about with Emico. I'd like to learn a little bit more about Emico. Maybe we can explain what you're doing uh, with Emico, and then like kind of like how you're cobbling together this network of, frankly, awesome Martech people. Like it's so cool in my mind as a solo consultant myself to to see this. So maybe walk us through a little bit of the mission here and and the origin story. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Origin story of Emmy is the best because it's the worst way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 we always say like, oh, well, we ended up great, but we started, you know, uh, we'll, we'll talk more. I know about um, side hustles we want to talk about, um, but you already mentioned, and I'm not sure where you got that little bit about my wanting to buy a church around the corner from my house. Obviously it's public somewhere and I've talked about it before, <laughs> but uh, that's really where it started. So during COVID, um, like you mentioned, I did step back from my role at Revenue Pulse. I kept my kids at home. We all had really tough decisions to make, I think, during that time. Um, and I had a second grader and a kindergartner and a 18-month-old or something. And I was working and, you know, and and the kindergartner was going to be, they, was start, they were starting virtual, which like kindergartners don't know how to use computers. Like it's rough and 
if they went in, the second grader was going to be in school uh, Monday, Wednesday, and every other Friday, but the kindergartner was going to be in school half days every day. And then I had like a little baby to worry about. And I literally was like, the best decision for us is just to get everyone on one schedule so that at least I can control and work around because I was still working at the time, right? Um, Like what is happening. And then eventually it was just like, it was just too much. It just really was too much. Um, So I made the decision to step back and I I have this like, you know, I think people, um, you have passions outside of work. (laughs) Shocker. And I had always wanted... um, you know, like a cooler kind of space in our neighborhood to to have like a third place. People talk about like, you've got home, you've got work, you've got the place that you can hang out. Uh, a lot of people, that's how it's like Starbucks brands itself. But so this church um, was like the love of my life for several months. And we were just going to be able to barely afford to purchase it. And then because it was a historical building, like you have to like renovate it to specific standards. Um, and so that conversation was well, uh, okay, we can go forward with purchasing it, but you're really going to have to get back to work. Um, and so I started doing some subcontracting for a friend using Pardot, which I had never used before, but he was like, you're smart and you will figure it out. And I was like, okay, I'm sure it's fine. Everyone says like, it's not about the tool. It's about the company that you work for and the best fit business. Right. (laughs) Um, which I will leave my opinions for another conversation, maybe. Um, but really quickly, that person was like, well, we want, we need more. We want more. Um, and I was like, well, I, I'm not willing to give more. Would you mind if I subcontracted? And they said like, no, absolutely not. That really was the birth of Emmy was just mm-hmm. like subcontracting this one client. And then I had another, a friend, another friend that said, Hey, we need a little bit of help. I know you're doing some consulting work. Suddenly we had two clients and there were three consultants. Um, and it really just grew from there. So that's the birth of Emmy. John, the word you used cobbling together is perfect. Like we are absolutely doing the thing where we build the airplane while we fly it. <laughs> um, Sydney was a, like just perfect timing and alignment of the stars a- acquisition <laughs> for me. Um, she, for better or for worse, got laid off while she was on maternity leave. Her like little one was like four weeks old. Um, and so she was looking for a job, but she also was like, and I'm not gonna be able to work until August because I'm on maternity leave. And so I was like, Ooh, I mean, I'm not, this isn't even a real thing, but like if you... <laughs> You know, she's someone that I think a lot of people respect. She's a champion. She's a great content producer. She's unbelievably smart and funny. Um, And she did not pay me to say any of that. But I think once, you know, when you have an opportunity in front of you for any part of your life, you kind of like take the step forward and say like, okay, hey, would you want to form an alliance with me is basically what I said to her. And I said, "If, if not, then I'll keep going with this little thing we have. It's good. It's a good thing going. We have three of us that are consulting on two clients and we'll ride it out. And she was like, Hmm, yeah, it could be good. So that was really how that started. Um, and now John, like you said, 20 consultants, I think, uh, what we're finding more and more is that people kind of age out of corporate, like whether that's actual age or just like time spent in a department that burns you out, like, 
we're th- that's really what it is. It's like I'm like saving the burn the burnouts. It's like the marketing apps burnouts. I hope they don't hate me for calling them that. But man, it's like <laughs> you gotta like you know, it's almost like take a break, take a step back. Still want to do work and good work, but like just cannot work for someone else anymore. Um, and as you both know, like marketing apps, it's not like it's the most respected position in the in a company. So. Love it. Thanks for walking us through that. Yeah, <laughs> totally empathize with a lot of the comments you said there. I, I also saw that like you and Sydney hadn't like actually met in person Never. until like you, mm-hmm. you went on a trip together and just kind of like formulated the whole thing. But I love that it's like the birth of it was almost from like this side hustle idea where you were like contracting on the side and you ended up like subcontracting, but you had the coffee shop going as well. Like a lot of mm-hmm. things kind of on the side on top of like being like the, the, the homeschool teacher as well. Um, I, I would love to to chat about the high, the side hustle part there. Like I, I've seen a few posts of yours on LinkedIn where you talk about the value of having one or at least a few side hustles. Um, I'm curious to get your take. Like how, how has having a side hustle benefited you and your career when you were in-house versus when you were uh, also um, like working with an agency? And what advice do you have for marketers who have this itch to start that journey themselves? It's a great question. I will say as much as I am a proponent of side hustles, that I do not think that they are for everyone. <laughs> that I think that side hustle could be your version of like whatever you are passionate about. So if it's you love yoga and you want to become a yoga teacher or you want to just do more yoga, like having priority priorities in your life and goals in your life other than your career is incredibly important unless you truly feel like you're finding all of your purpose and fulfillment in your job, which I think is difficult for some of us in positions like ours, because we are doing a lot of um, technical work, computer work. We feel like, oh, someone can replace me at any time, like, and just do the same work. Uh, We're often working for companies that, you know, aren't curing brain cancer. And so it's this profit driven, you know, movement that we're that we're doing. And so I think it's just finding that thing that you feel passionate about or that makes you happy outside of work. Um one thing that we um you know at Emmy are are we celebrate for our consultants. Um so everyone, I don't know if it was clear, but everybody who works with us is a freelancer. Um and we kind of cobble again John, to use your term, cobble together like fractional teams. If someone needs, let's say like a massive marketing automation implementation, it's not like a freelancer doing that. It's like this like all-star team essentially that we've picked and pulled from um, around to to come together for those types of projects. But uh, we always talk about Nikki. She's our, one of our awesome Salesforce admins. She runs a skincare business like on the side. And actually- Emmy is probably her side hustle at this Mm. point. Like she wants to make money and she wants to get a paycheck, but her heart is really in um, the skincare business that she started. Just as a kind of a follow-up to the, to the the side hustle and how Emmy works. Like I find it interesting. We'll come back to that cobble term, but like, it's interesting for folks who are in-house 
looking for help, how hard it is, you know, I'm sure you've found this in your consulting career over and over how desperate some of these in-house companies are for stability, uh, mm-hmm. for people who actually know the systems, who aren't just going to go to the next job, like in two, two years, maybe talk a little bit about like, how does that look for the client side? Like, what are the kind of responses you get now that you're bringing this, like, uh, this collective of people together and saying, Hey, look, like I got the best, the best of the best, but we all kind of work in a, in a, in a, in this arrangement. Like how, how does that work in terms of, I don't know, the client engagements? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So clients like you, you would think they, uh, might push back a little bit more than they do. We do definitely have different kinds of engagements. We have like, um, let's say a big project, like an implementation, like I already said, but there might be something to like maternity leave coverage. They just Mm -hmm. truly need somebody for 20 hours a week to help keep the lights on. Um, The clients, honestly, at this point, mostly are our network. And so they're people who trust us or have been referred to us and trust the way that we're doing business and the people that we're putting on their projects. But I think that you like really hit the nail on the head when you said, that everyone is craving stability right now and it's still not happening in the market. And honestly, I know for a while we were like, oh, the market like is so hot. Like nobody, you know, nobody can um, find a marketing operations practitioner. Mm -hmm. And now I feel like maybe it's changed where like there's a lot of layoffs have happened and maybe marketing operations practitioners are having a hard time finding a job. I actually don't know where we're at. I feel very confused. (laughs) As to like what I see a lot of layoffs, but also I think people are getting jobs. It's an interesting conversation. Um, But the one of the biggest things that we uh, talk to with our clients is turnover. They Mm -hmm. just are like we are spending so much money hiring people and then they're leaving like a Mm -hmm. year later for bigger salaries, which like yay for the people and too bad for the companies, really. Uh, One of our clients was uh had a de- had a centralized model excuse me and they decentralized to several business units and the business units then were um tasked with hiring let's say like a campaign operations manager and one of those people came to me and said I absolutely I'm not doing this because one I have no idea what what this person would do like I, I would not be the person to train them or I'd have to find someone who f- who fits perfectly mm-hmm. um and then it's like just all they need to do is get really sick and all of a sudden we have no idea what we're doing or, or quit and we have no idea what we're doing. Uh, so she said, like, I need I need to go somewhere where I know it's smart people that I can trust and that she's like, obviously, it's your problem. Like if somebody quits your job, like it's your problem to staff someone up for me, not <laughs> not mine. Um, and we've heard that several times where it's like, yeah, we can find people to hire, but they just leave so quickly because they're gaining knowledge on the job and then they're moving on. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that's the thing is really fascinating. And like, just to kind of segue into the next question, like you can hire a Marketo champion, a two times Marketo champion in Lauren and have retained your services, you know, as long as you're in business, which I'm assuming you guys will want to be in business for until you retire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I I got the opportunity to work alongside you at Revenue Pulse. I can say that like you're the type of Marketo expert that the Marketo experts go to for advice. And I know when I came on the job, I was in Marketo for for a number of years. I haven't been in there in a while. Uh, you helped me a ton when I was a consultant, a junior consultant coming up. Uh, for me as a Marketo user, been to many summits, like the idea of the process of becoming a champion has always been really interesting and fascinating to me. 
Um, but I'd like your take on the, the the process of being a champion, maintaining that status, you know, two years, uh, two two times, and and maybe a bit of perspective on how you know working with a vendor and being recognized by a vendor like Marketo and the status of a champion, how it's helped to shape your own career growth, and what advice you maybe have for for folks thinking about uh, trying to scale that summit themselves. Totally. Um... Thanks for asking. It's fun. It's funny because, you know, people often will use that term while, I don't know, let's say an internal champion, geez, for lack of a better term is like, oh, and Lauren, Lauren is Marketo champion. Obviously it means a lot. And honestly, it means a lot more to the external world than it does to like me personally, not that I'm not proud of it, but I don't like think about it every day when I wake up. (laughs) (laughs) Aha, another day as a Marketo Chevel. <laughs> um, but I think it absolutely skyrocketed my career for sure. Like I don't know. I uh so I was at GE, I was at GE Lighting um when I applied to be um champion for the first time. And it is a program that I think is desirable to be in. And especially at the time, like it was, you know, pre- I think it was pre-Vista, maybe this had acquired. I don't know. I can't keep my timeline straight, but, but um, pre-Adobe where it was like this nice, wonderful little community. And I think that they've kept that by keeping the Marketo champion program alive. Um, Just by someone seeing the, seeing that you were a Marketo champion means that you have, you know, done your best work that it's been acknowledged by the vendor, but also like even the process just of applying to be a champion is like a lot of work. I'm a two-time champion because I like dropped out. Uh, I guess that's like the best way to say it is I didn't go for number three because it is, it is work to maintain and it's work to apply. And I, I just decided at that time, like, Hey, uh, you know, priorities are otherwise for me. So you'll see like, oh, I'm 10 times champion or five times champion. Those people have year over year done the work, done a good job that they've been invited back and have applied and have had to continue to, you know, keep their certifications, keep doing cool stuff. Um, so I guess if I had, uh, if I, if I had advice for someone who wanted to be a champion and I say, if you if that sounds great to you, you should go for it. It just would be to uh, document your stuff. And I'm sure, honestly, that you probably are documenting most things that you're doing, but pull it together so that when it comes time to uh, to apply, you're not like, oh, shoot, what was it that I did? It's not much work to do it along the way, but when you apply, it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I love the documenting advice there. I actually don't think enough people do that. And it's easier to just like forget about it internally and like oh yeah folks will remember that that we did that project and I kind of led it there but um yeah it's it's always good outside of work too like just just keeping that like internal resume for yourself totally like come review time I don't know anything about reviews because I don't review (laughs) myself but come maybe I should come review time like you have that list of things that you did it's really important so yeah definitely I worked at a company that was very async uh when I was at automatic and like every 
nothing you did was like public unless you like posted about it on our internal blogging platform where people got to like see what work you did. And so coming revenue time, uh, review time was really easy to just like come up with what you did because you had posted about it and you had shared out about it with the company. But when you're like spending time in synchronous meetings all the time and you're not doing that documentation, it, it, it has taken a bit of time to like come up with that, that list of stuff there. But it, this is kind of translated um, or the, the transition is kind of interesting here. Like, I think that like being a champion is valuable because it's like the stamp of approval from a technical standpoint. Like people know that you understand how this specific tech works and in, in maybe like integrations with with some of the others there. But I think that's something that makes a MarTech Pro stand out from the crowd. And, you know, maybe some champions are are the exception there is balancing that tech skill with the people side of skills. And you said it best on LinkedIn, being pleasant and fun to work with is a big deal. And nobody wants the Sunday scaries each time they see a meeting with you on the calendar next week. What are some of your strategies for keeping your cool and working through situations when you're stuck working with someone who's not up to par or you're stuck working in a project that you're just like, this isn't fun right now. I'm not having fun. <laughs> I try to avoid it entirely. Phil, what do you mean? <laughs> you don't do that. That's why you start your own business and then you start a <laughs> yeah. stupid podcast. And you're like, not your, not your podcast, my podcast. Sorry, I didn't mean to call this podcast stupid while I was on it. Uh, my podcast. <laughs> so, uh, in all seriousness, Sydney and I have a like one of our mission statements that we came up with in that Florida trip was no shitty clients. Like, we are not gonna have a bandwidth for people who are not going to respect us or treat us well. Like, we will nip that in the bud very quickly, especially because, uh, one of our main mission, um, you know, statements or, or just strategies is to keep our consultants so freaking happy. Like Mm. they need to be paid well. They need to be on projects that they like. They need to not be like, I hate this client. This is terrible. I feel bad about myself every time I show up. So like I, if my consultants are not happy, nobody's happy. Like client clients, no one will be happy. Um, but that being said, that doesn't mean that you're not in awkward situations every once in a while or come across someone who's, you know, unhappy with an outcome, whatever it is, or even like, heck, like political situations on their side, like coming to, um, you know, consulting time, like sometimes that's like their like vent space. So having mm-hmm. to like uh, be 51% therapist is what we say. 49% consultant, 51% therapist. Like you really do have to be able to keep your cool, um, during those times. And the best thing that I can say is to just be yourself and be authentic. Um, because if, if things aren't meant to be, they aren't meant to be in this situation, but no one, I shouldn't say no, but like, you're not going to be happy if you have to feel like you have to put a mask on every time you show up to a meeting. And so I think if you can just be yourself, um, be polite, be respectful, be the bigger person, if it's a situation that, that needs that, that that person will work through their own emotions or their own scenarios and realize that you were steady that entire time. Um, so try to avoid situations <laughs> where you know for sure it's gonna suck. Um, but when it does, just don't let it get to you. 
whenever I read on LinkedIn or anywhere, these client horror stories, I'm always kind of questioning, like, how did you get into this situation to begin <laughs> with? Right. Like I know from my experience, at least in my, my year of consulting on my own, like I don't have any, like I thought of, Oh, I'd have some fun horror stories to share. Like, no, like it's boring. It's really, like you said, like a lot of it is really just handling the day-to-day -day work, what you got to do and, and helping your clients navigate, uh, navigate their day-to-day one thing you put on LinkedIn, which I, I loved and, and knowing you a little bit as well, I think it kind of fits your persona, the grumpy mops granny. Oh, I love thanks, that. John. <laughs> I love, I love the, I love the vibe. It catches, it catches, it catches a vibe I have sometimes. I'm more on the SEO side of things where everything's got to be super correct. Like some of these things are solved in my opinion. I always say this to, to, to folks that I work with, like technical SEO is been solved largely. I think there's a lot of stuff in mops that could be considered solved yet. We're still kind of doing these Sisyphean tasks of pushing things up the hill, data management, duplicate management, you know, why are these form pick lists free form instead of using a country pick list? Please help us. <laughs> At our heart, I think a lot of us in MarTech and MOPS are grumpy grandmas and grandpas. <laughs> <laughs> How do we mature marketing as a whole? Because as mar marketing operations people or people like me who cosplay it at once in a while, once in a while, like we understand that like regimenting these systems is super important to getting this down. But like the inputs, that's where the things, in my opinion, go wild. Is you've got your demand gen team doing whatever the heck they need to do to drive revenue, and and they all have justifiable reasons for this. Like, hey, I'm bringing revenue. I don't need to fix this har har har, but. We know that down the stream, when they say, give me data analysis, or I want to run this AI machine learning and my data sucks and you know, blank is my number one lead attribution source, like, great, let's invest in blank. Like, what are How are we going to mature the marketing operations space? And what do you think needs to happen behind the scenes in terms of like the value that we place on these MOPS teams? I mean, we're going to need an entire new episode for that. But I think like, you know, the... The hard part for practitioners, especially if you're moving companies, is that these problems keep happening. Like, like I, I can remember my mindset when I posted that. It's like, how do we not get it together by now? You know what I mean? Like, we've been doing this for 15 years. How are we still having, like, form issues? And it's because new companies are being created. New departments are being created. Uh, expansion is happening. Like I, you, you think, um, I, I also made a joke once about GDPR, like, Hey, if you don't have GDPR, but like, if you've never sold into Europe, you probably said it was not a problem. And suddenly there's expansion and it's people who've never had to deal with it. And, you know, like companies, of course, they're worried about the bottom line. So they're like, you're in marketing, you can do this. You can set up this. All you got to do is like click some stuff. Right. And then it's going to send an email. <laughs> Um, and so there's always just like that, like push and pull, I think upon implementation for lack of a better word of like a department or hiring of a person where everyone's just kind of figuring out mm -hmm. what's important. What are your priorities? I mean, in a perfect world, you'd get an implementation team who then also trains, you know, just the second that someone's like, oh, I need HubSpot. They're like, okay, well, it's not going to be me <laughs> that does it. It's going to be a team of people who knows exactly what they're talking about. Um, I think that part of the problem, though, honestly, is that we assume that everyone already knows these things. And it's just not true. There are people who are new to all of this. 
Um, so I think some of us like grumpy mops grannies like myself are like, wow, lead scoring. Why have we been doing this the same way for 10 years? Like some people are like, oh, what's lead scoring? And we'd, mm-hmm. we'd like to think like everyone knows about that. But, you know, it's just that's a dumb thought. <laughs> it's a dumb thought. Yeah. It really is. So I think maybe uh, we like the more advanced people maybe just need to take a step back and be a little bit more uh, gracious. In yeah, general. I think that's totally fair, especially with like, you know, I, a couple of questions ago, you were talking about like, where are we in the job market right now? Like, are we uh, in the middle or I think we're a bit more in the the latter part that you described where like there are a lot of layoffs happening and there is less job security for sure than like at the tip of COVID or kind of like a first year into COVID. And I think like you even talked about this too on LinkedIn, like there there is this like marketing operations talent crisis right now. And you said something like you can teach almost anyone to do mm-hmm. marketing operations. And and this is why there's a lot of people jumping in and saying like, what is lead scoring? And like, how do I like fix this like blank issue on my pick list? But you can't teach all of these newcomers to love it. And you can't teach people that have been doing it for 10 years to find a way to love it. And I thought that was like, super real when I when I read that like myself personally like too many times I've joined a new gig like feeling super energetic and excited about it only to be a few months in and just being like sucked into the mentally exhausting nature of mops like we're solving a lot of the same problems like over and over again same problems (laughs) different shit and I still find a way to love it but I'm curious like what's for you, like, what's the one thing or a couple of things that keep you motivated and engaged in mops, even when the going gets tough? Yeah, um, there's a couple of things. So I would say number one is that I think like I just have an inclination towards this type of work. Like, um, I think it was maybe a Tumos at one time, like had on their job description, like, do you like doing logic puzzles for fun? Mm. My answer is yes. I love them. On my honeymoon, I was doing logic puzzles on the cruise ship. And like an old man came up to me and was like, why did you bring homework? And I was like, what? Isn't this thrilling? (laughs) I'm not saying like everyone has to, but I'm saying like, hey, do you like doing jigsaw puzzles? Like, do you like problem solving? Do you like, you know, trying to figure out like, only murders in the building, like who killed who, you know, like, I think that's a mindset that you're born with, or that you trained yourself to have and that you like, that has to be taken into this. Otherwise, you will be overwhelmed, like incredibly, like, like, I like building smart list filters and Salesforce reports. That's weird. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, that's weird. So there are people who are like, I got into marketing. Like, where's the billboards? Where is like the creativity of the campaigns? I do not. What am I one and two and four or five or, you know what I mean? And like Sydney had this problem. She actually posted it on LinkedIn. Like, I can't find, or she had asked ChatGPT to like fix her logic. And she was like, (laughs) ChatGPT couldn't do it. But Rachel Squire did in in, like five seconds. Uh, You should have seen our internal Slack. A ton of us jumped on this thing trying to figure out what was wrong with it. That's not normal. Like you need to find somebody who's like this that's really going to like the job 
and get into it rather than just kind of hand it to someone because they have bandwidth or you feel like it's part of their job. Yeah. Um, some people I think will grow to love it. And some people are like, when will we have bandwidth for me to mm. hand this off? Like, I, I think that's like mentally, like if you're like, Hey, I'd much rather be doing something else. You should be doing something else. Yeah. Um. Secondly, I love the mops community. Like I have real friends. Like, I think anyway, I think they're my friends. <laughs> um, but like even showing up on this podcast and Phil, I know we've never met, um, but like we could talk about anything. And John, I, you know, I've known for, I don't know, five or six years now. Every time I get to talk to him, it's like, hey, what's new? What's going on? But it's like no time at all has passed. So I don't know. Maybe that's also weird that the MOPS community is so amazing, but um it really is so if you have questions or if you just want to vent or if you want to have fun like you are welcome here and all of those (laughs) things will happen (laughs) love it yeah you touched on a lot of points that i think describes like ideal mobs people very well like this like growth mindset or investigative mind like always wanting to solve complex problems go deep in the bat cave and come up with like a solution in uh in a couple hours or in a day or two i feel like that's partly what makes mobs a little underappreciated like you talked about this idea like oh you're sending out emails like, is that a couple of clicks like upload a csv and then boom it's it's kind of out do you think that like this this underappreciativeness or the fact that like maybe part of the perce- uh, the profession is misunderstood leads to part of the burnout obviously like you know budgets and teams are shrinking for a lot of companies right now but martech continues to grow like i hate seeing companies lay off folks in marketing but they add a couple of tools to their tech stack and the mandate for mops teams remains the same like now you have to do more with less is this a product of of mops being misunderstood and, and underappreciated in your opinion? My goodness. I mean, all of the above. Yeah. We have one client I can think of specifically. And if they listen, they'll know who I'm talking about. But uh they do a great job at their job, but they kind of they live in a RevOps area where it's kind of like some marketing text deck stuff, some sales stuff. And you know, when I would say like, oh, this person owns like lean data and outreach and also like like the lead routing uh, logic and conversations and new person onboarding and also visible. Like you're like, y'all, come on. You know what I mean? Like you like I just threw visible on top of that as if it were like not a big deal. Like that, it's it's a big, big deal to to own these platforms. And so I think if our internal teams aren't understanding what the platforms themselves do and what they are, like obviously that's a purchasing conversation to begin with. Um, but scary, man. Like somebody sees a demo of something and they're like, hey, we have budget. We I got you this. Like it's this if it's a gift. I bought you. I bought you this visible for Christmas. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh. Okay. Thank you. And you know, are you, are you hiring for it? One of my uh, ex-colleagues turned client says like, I want to spend three times as much on supporting the tool that I spent on the tool. Amazing. She's the perfect person. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like you really have to think these things through. They don't 
do they, they don't support themselves. They're not apps. Like this is not something where like, oh, you spend 10 extra minutes a day, like clicking a few buttons. Um, and you know, the other thing is just like marketing in general, since I don't know, when was marketing invented? Like the word <laughs> marketing, like yeah. is always pit against sales. I, I always post like, we're not, we're not doing this anymore. We're not doing sales versus marketing, right? It's 2023. Like we're not doing this, but I just think like it's ingrained within the company that marketing is less than that marketing budgets are the first to get cut. Um, you know, it's marketing operations and sales operations. Like another great conversation going on is like, hey, who's best equipped to run RevOps? Like it's often sales ops that's going right up there, but hey, I don't know. Um, but I just think like because marketing's in the name, man, it's just like, that's easy. We should re marketing ops needs a rebrand. I completely agree, actually. And as you were talking about stuff like, one of the things that like developers and I know I cosplay on humans and martech a little bit like this, but like developers always think about technical debt. Like I don't know how many times I've talked with clients about and I actually think about it. Like what technical debt do we have that we need to resolve in order to move forward with this awesome new tech platform? Like you're talking about the three to one investment on existing tech versus old tech, but there's so much debt that gets created and swept under rugs that gets found by some poor new hire who gets to, you know, hey, go uh, go clean up the database. And then the rest of the MOPS team goes, runs off to the to the coffee room to laugh hysterically. Um, how, how you talked about the rebrand, but like, do we push MOPS more towards that technical, right? Like, are we marketing developers? Are we marketing engineers? Does it make sense to talk about it that way? I'm just thinking on the fly here, but I'm curious what your take is. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the word marketing that needs to go, hmm. unfortunately. And maybe that's what people are trying to do with RevOps, right? Like RevOps is uh, marketing operations and sales operations and customer service operations mm -hmm. all under one umbrella. Um to be fair, I don't have a lot of experience with um, my customer operations and customer service operations, um, but it's just marketing ops. What we do touches so much more than marketing. Mm -hmm. It really does. Uh, many teams still own, you know, lead conversion processes and lead distribution processes. And many marketing teams still have like business development reps that are reporting up through marketing. Um, and all of that takes operations support from typically the marketing team um, to to just run the business. Um, so maybe it's more more internal, you know, tooting of the horn like you got to do at automatic Phil um, about the kinds of things that that have been done, but also you know maybe the things that can't get done. Maybe it's the things that can't get done because of the bandwidth. Like, hey, this is all the things that we would like to do, but like we need two more people on a hundred thousand more dollars. Yeah. Yeah, totally agree. I think that like one thing that made me think of when you were talking there, like this there's usually this like conception, misconception, I guess, of like most people that work in marketing or sales, they, they need to be driving revenue for the company. Like, what is your value here? What dollars have you brought to the bottom line of the company? And the assumption is that people that are in operations don't necessarily touch revenue. Like they're 
fixing shit and they're like working on technical debt, you know, just like engineers are building products that aren't necessarily driving revenue tomorrow, like instantly they're fixing stuff and like building things. And that's what like operations teams do as well, whether it's in like sales ops or marketing ops or customer ops, this whole idea of like, what have you done to drive revenue for the company is, is always like thought of. So I guess like there's a misconception of what marketing ops is and how do you even know what revenues the marketing team is driving without a marketing operations team? Like, how are you doing <laughs> that attribution? How are you tracking all that stuff? So yeah, definitely lots of misconceptions uh, for sure in the industry. I agree. I mean, I was just trying to pull up uh an email here and maybe I can share it redacted later in life. But Sydney had uh, a meeting with a prospect recently who came back and said, Hey, uh, thank you so much for your time. It was great to meet you. I presented it to our CEO and he asked a reasonable question. He asked what potential um, is there on an impact on qualified pipeline? through an assessment of our system setup you know like it's just it's it's a really hard situation to be in um more so for that person than for us (laughs) i hate to say it but you know you know sydney had a perfect answer of course which was something like uh, you know, this is really hard to do and we don't typically do that. But what I can tell you is uh, we did an audit for a client recently where we found that it was taking 30 hours to sync records to Salesforce and now it takes four minutes. So we think there's probably some revenue recovered there. <laughs> you know, like, and it, it's the CEO of the company. Is he or she going to fully understand it? Probably not. Are they supposed to? I don't know. Yes, probably, you know, but like, that's a lot of, that's a lot of education. And of course, every company is different. I'm sure it's small if they're going to the CEO to get approval for budget, but. Hey, uh, as we, uh, as we wind down the interview, I wanted to talk a little bit about your career transition and the plan time off with your family. We talked a little bit about it at the beginning as parents ourselves, Phil and I both, I think, I think Phil, you took some time off as well. I've taken time off with all of my kids, which has amounted to quite a bit of time actually, because I have so many kids, but, uh, (laughs) you know, for me, that time away from work has brought me back stronger and better and and more able to invest in my family. So I have a ton of respect for what you've done. Um, how did you feel like that, you know, career break shaped that next phase of your career? Like, I don't even know if you planned on coming back to marketing operations or if that was the plan. And then like, you've come back with, you know, uh, Emmy collective, um, and I suspect more work-life balance than ever before. So like people who are thinking about this career transition, and by the way, this is on your LinkedIn, you totally own it. And I think this is something that we should normalize, uh, you know, across the industry. Yeah. Like what advice do you have for folks on this? And is there even work-life balance when you have children? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I think, you know, First and foremost, whether you have kids or you do not, that you have to create your list of values, your list of priorities, and how you want to spend your time in your life and reevaluate how you actually are spending your time against those values and priorities. Because every day we have decisions to make on what job we do, what how we spend our time, what 
social media we decide to you know follow or spend a ton of time on and um so i just want to say like outside of just being a parent i still think that these decisions need to be to be made for work life ba- balance um but one thing that uh sydney actually shared an article a long long time ago about like um as a parent there you're going to drop balls like it's just going to happen when you're a working parent. Um, but you just have to make sure that it's not the important ones that you drop, that there are glass balls and there are plastic ones. And like, just do mm. not drop the plastic. Ball. Like I have three Halloween part Halloween parades in the past five days <laughs> to go to. And I showed up to my daughter, my first one, the cutest ones. I'm just kidding. She's four. So she's like by nature, the <laughs> cutest one, but like, and I, I didn't know I was supposed to bring candy to pass out. And I was like, feeling terrible about, about it. But I'm like, you know what? I'm here. Like, had I missed it, I would have felt way worse. But my body is here. I will give out high fives instead of candy. Like, it's <laughs> totally fine. So I think like balancing um, the things that you can actually accomplish is one thing. Um, but second, like mental health is so important. Like there is nothing more important than your mental health. And I know that obviously your physical health too, but there is a lot of education and a lot of awareness around physical health and the benefits of exercise. But um, mental health, I think, especially in marketing operations where we are inside on computers all day, every day, working on very tedious work that is incredibly um, like takes all of my mental energy anyway like shoot you could work on some logic for three hours and be like that's all literally that my brain can take for the rest of the day you you will burn out it's not a matter of if you will it's when you will um and I had a very scary moment like breakdown essentially where I was like all right obviously something needs to change Mm -hmm. and as much as we like to say oh I have to go to this meeting or like my boss wants me to do this you are in control of what you do all day, every day. Um, and you are con- in control of your schedule. And so if you need mornings, like my mornings are blocked until 11 a.m. because I cannot get it together until then. I just can't. I cannot. Um, or if I don't want to meet with someone or with somebody, or like then I say no. And so we have to also take responsibility for the way that we feel because there are options in life. Like you don't have to be in marketing operations forever if you hate it. You can go do something else. Here's you might be waiting for permission. Here's your permission. <laughs> you can leave. <laughs> go build your coffee shop in that old church. Down yeah. The Which, by the way, I didn't finish that story. But an investor who had a lot more money than me and did not need to do like a cost analysis, which is what I was doing when he purchased it, um, he's still not turned it into anything. It's just sitting there. Huh. Anyway, don't worry. It's fine. I have a business now. That's how Emmy <laughs> was born. So it's fine. <laughs> I love it. That was super powerful. I think there's a lot of insights to to glean from in there. Lauren, one question we ask all of our guests that maybe you'll have uh, a different take on, or maybe like you can repurpose a lot of your previous answer on, on the last question there, but you've got a lot on the go, right? Like you're a podcaster, you're an owner, a principal consultant and a MarTech consultancy. You're a mother of three that we uh, chatted about a few times there. But yeah, like I said, one question we ask all of our guests is how do you balance your happiness and your career growth? Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. That's it. That the way that you said that, I know that we just talked a little bit about this, but I actually decided to not grow my career anymore. And mm. that was an okay choice. 
So when I was at GE, I was more on a managerial path and I just decided I don't want to manage a team. I, I already have people at home I have to manage. Um, and that's really why I decided to jump into consulting. And so, you know, there are different ways to grow. Like, obviously, I started a business, um, but I had never intended to be a people manager again. And honestly, we've we've set up the business in a way that we're really not people managers. We have project managers for our fractional teams. Um, and I've hired people that, like, are totally capable. In fact, like, have worked at Marketo or have run their own agencies previously. Um, and so I would say like career happiness and career growth is, is deciding what you truly want for your career, because I do think that they go hand in hand. And then of course, like I mentioned before, like making sure that you make time, um, to do the things outside of work that make you happy. Um, even my therapist, like I, I, I was like, I'm going to take some time off and I don't really know what to do because I'm just so used to working all the time. She's like, well, I feel like when I first met you, I asked you like, what do you like to do for fun? She was like, do, do those things. Why why did it take her like saying it that way to be like, oh yeah. Okay. (laughs) I I will go read a book and then go for a walk in the woods. Okay. Sounds nice. So it can be simple, but I think when we're, you know, focused so hard in the industry that we're in that we just don't take a step back and, and think about those things. Awesome. Lauren, this has been super fun. Uh, Yeah, I feel like we could jam on a bunch of other topics there. Hopefully folks have gotten some value out of our conversation there. But yeah, I think the how we ended this was was super uh, interesting. I feel like your advice on, you know, like I got to a stage where I was just like, I don't want to grow my career specifically anymore. Like, I don't want to be in house and like go up the ladder and like build a team and stuff. And so, yeah, it's, it's important for folks to take a step back and and rethink that, that part of their journey. So yeah, super happy to hear that you're in a spot that you enjoy now. And uh, yeah, I think that's very powerful advice for a lot of folks. So thank you so much for sharing that. Thanks for taking the time and jumping on the show. We'll share uh, notes to Emmy Collective. I think what you're building is super exciting and uh, yeah, I'll keep listening to uh, your podcast with uh, Sydney. I think uh, it's <laughs> valuable, but also like super hilarious. So yeah, thanks so much for your time, Lauren. Thank you. Thanks for having me.